Hello and welcome to Show and Tell, the podcast series from the RPG Academy, where we bring on a guest and we talk about something cool. Today's guest is Joshua from Arknight. You may remember Joshua. We actually talked to him oh, like three years ago. He's, he was one of the first interviews that we ever actually did here at the Academy. Uh, and back then we were talking about a Kickstarter that he was launching for, with his company called Flat Plastic Miniatures. If you go back and listen to Faculty Meeting episode 50, you can hear that conversation. But a lot has changed, both here at the Academy and with Joshua and Ark Knight. But coincidentally, tonight we're here to talk about Flat Plastic Miniatures 2, currently on Kickstarter. Uh, and we're going to talk all about it, what it is, why you should be excited, and most importantly, why you should go check it out and back it. Uh, there will be links in all the show notes, of course, for, for everything you need to see. But Joshua, welcome back to the Academy. Hey, how's it going? You know, we spent a lot of time trying to think of a really good name for our sequel. And we went with uh, the aptly named Flat Plastic Miniatures 2. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. There, there are some movies like Indiana Jones that I really appreciate that they change the name. You know, it's not Indiana Jones 1, Indiana Jones 2. But there's nothing wrong with that. There's a lot of great sequels that are just number twos, I think. So. Yeah, or like Battlefield 1 is the sequel to Battlefield 5. <laughs> Exactly. Um, I think that's how that works. And then, well, <laughs> Xbox went to Xbox 360, and then it went to Xbox One. And then it's going to go to 720. Seven, yeah, it, it makes no sense. Okay. So for those who were not around two and a half years ago or may not have went through our back catalog, Joshua, please introduce yourself. Tell us, tell us who you are, you know, your sort of bona fides when it comes to gaming, and then we'll move into our Kickstarter that we're going to talk about tonight. Okay. Sounds good. Uh, I'm Joshua Wardrop from Arknight Games. Uh, we originally were just artists. I was a huge hobbyist. I played Dungeons and Dragons my entire life. Um, I used to GM when I was like 11. Uh, back in middle school and, and high school, you know, I was the guy that was just trying to rope all my friends into playing all the obscure little games that we used to like. And it just got to a point where, as hobbyists, we found ourselves as artists in an art department going, hey, we can use these printers, we can use our technical skill at making files, and we can start making ourselves goodies. And it didn't start as a business. We didn't think we were going to do this professionally. We just wanted maps, and we went out to buy them. And we didn't like what was on the market, and so we just started making our own. And it just one thing led to another over time, and now here we are. <laughs> yeah. Um, again, going back to kind of the red letter date and in, in, in your and I, I quote unquote careers, because I still don't do this as a career. This isn't a job yet. Um, but you were one of the first people to send me free stuff because of my podcast. Awesome. And you sent me just a freaking huge map pack, and again, I don't, I don't, I know you've done different, you know, products, obviously, but I still have them. I don't use maps a lot in my games, but they're gorgeous. I mean, you guys did an amazing job, and I still have most of them. Um, I think I gave a few to Caleb because he uses maps and minis more than I do for his home game, and I felt kind of, kind of felt bad that I got, I got the free stuff, and he's the one that really could have used them. <laughs> But it, I'm happy to say I, I get free stuff quite frequently now of people who want me to review things or I'm, I'm on a bunch of like press mailing lists for companies. But you were the first. You were the first that I could go, hey, I got something out of this. And that makes me smile. I know you can't see it because we got the video turned off for internet issues, but I have a huge smile on my face. I probably thought you were like really important. And I was like, here, no, you know, no, free stuff and it'll, it'll maybe lead somewhere. <laughs> no, you were, the, you were my first. I'm glad that you were gentle. And uh, it's it's been great ever since. Yeah, we don't try to we don't try to make it too rough. <laughs> no, I send people free stuff, and usually I, I just never expect anything of it. You just go, people go, hey, do you want this? And I go, you know, I'm I make enough of them. I, I'll give you one. 
You know, and again, there's no, and anyone else out there who does a podcast, there's no shame in asking. The only thing people can say is no. Sure. And uh, if, if you don't ask, then it's the same as them saying no, so you really have nothing to lose. Oh, yeah, I, but I completely it, agree. I mean, you want it to be a mutual arrangement. Ab- absolutely. And, you know, one of the things, and I mean, I'll just put this out here in case anyone doesn't know, because we are still small enough that, you know, we don't make, I won't say we don't make any money because we have a lot of patrons that support us and we, you know, we do get a little bit of ad revenue, that kind of stuff. But, but this really isn't a money-making venture for us yet. We're small enough that if I don't want to review something, I don't have to. You know, if you, I, I don't mean you as in you, but you as in the general you. If someone wanted me to review a game and I don't like their game, I'm not going to give them a review. I'm not, I'm not going to give them a bad review. I just, won't, I just won't review it. I just won't have them on the show. It'll, just, it'll be as if it never happened. So I don't have to have that pressure of, well, this person sent me free stuff, so now I have to be nice to them. It kind of works out a lot of the times that that, that is the way it does work out because people send me free stuff. And it's cool stuff, and I'm excited to talk about it. But I wouldn't talk about it if I didn't like it or didn't think it was something worth talking about, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. So with that, let's move into, and we, we'll cover probably a bunch of different stuff, but let's talk about the Kickstarter you have now. So what exactly are flat plastic miniatures? You know, I'm someone who doesn't use a lot of maps and minis. So for those that do, why is this a benefit over you know, the other other types of products similar to this on the market? You know, at some point I do want to go like make a blog post of the whole breakdown because it's really complicated. But what we looked at it and we said, you know, there is a huge array of like pieces you can put in your game. And again, this is me starting as um, trying to make a component. When we made flat plastic miniatures, we were designing a board game and we just had these big lofty ideas. And we said, we're going to go step by step and we're going to start fulfilling these things we need. And we need miniatures. You know, we're thinking 3D miniatures. We were hoping at the time that 3D printing would, would take a spike and then we could suddenly have 3D printed miniatures that could do the job. But we said, okay, that might not happen yet, so let's look at other options. And if you're looking at 3D printed, uh, 3D miniatures of any type, whether they're 3D printed or, or actually casted, they're just really expensive. And if you go under that, you've got cardboard, which will just fall apart over time, or you've got little pogs or meeples or some little disc. And I did not like any of the choices, honestly. Um, we wanted to have a large number of pieces in our box. We didn't want the box to be, you know, a seven hundred dollar box. Like some of the, you know, some of the modern games can kind of embrace that and just say, "Hey, this is our niche. We're going to put two hundred fifty three right. yeah. D miniatures in it." But those companies have to have so much going for them to have any of that work. We were we were nobodies. We wanted to just make a little, you know, uh, self published title, but we still wanted a hundred pieces in it. And we had this idea for flat plastic miniatures, and we're like, okay, we now have something that really is unique on the market. And what it is, is you basically take the same thing that a cardboard pawn is, but you print it on transparent plastic. And that makes it much more durable. It doesn't fall apart. You can pour soda on it. You can chew it. You can hit it with a hammer. You can flex it. You can bend it. It's not paper. It really is printed on plastic. And then the novelty became that you could still see through it. And what we did to take it 10 more steps beyond that is then we actually created, if we're going to make a front piece, we create a backside in the exact same silhouette. And then we figured out the technique to print it so that you actually have a double-sided transparent miniature. So as you pick this sucker up and you turn him over, you're actually seeing his front and his back, and you're seeing through all the clear in the miniature itself. And that was huge for me because with, with um, the pawns, when they first started... As a guy who started making maps, as soon as you start putting a bunch of pawns on your table, your entire board becomes white. 
It's just all white. And this is one of those projects that the day we brainstormed it, we knew we loved it. We just had to pull it off. And uh, and we pulled it off. So your your first Kickstarter, again, which was Flat Plastic Miniatures, I don't know if you called it one, but it is now the first one. Sure. Very successful. Oh, it's huge. It blew up. I mean, it's an issue of scale. We had no audience. We had no real fan base. And it went gangbusters. So it took us, you know, years of development to get all that out the door. And we we fell into some of the obvious pitfalls that other companies fall into. You know, it, it was so exciting. We had so many stretch goals on the table. We had so many people saying, we're going to do all this stuff that uh, we, we went a little we went a little nuts with it. And at the time, we only had one lead artist doing the, the art for all of it. And so it got to a point where it was just completely impossible for one person to say, yeah, I'll make, you know, 470 miniatures. <laughs> so, right. so it got to, you know, I wouldn't say a, a delay that didn't make sense, but we got to the point where we had to start finding more artists. We She, she eventually left the project, so I had to replace her, and then it just kind of went and went and went. So we actually uh, – we were delivering that even all this last year. So the uh, what was that? Care for what you wish for? You had so <laughs> much success that it actually hurt in a way. And that's you know I've been around enough Kickstarters now to know that that is something that happens, particularly with first time Kickstarters that do much more than they than people expected. Is you kind of get caught up in the excitement yourself that hey we need more stretch goals because well that's what you do you have stretch goals and when you make them you make more. And you start to get almost a little high on the numbers, and you, it, it's not till it's over that you go, "Oh wow, we have a lot of work to do." Yeah, and with with this project specifically, I've used the this joke before that I feel like we're like a, a rock band that comes out and we go, we have fans. We made our first CD and we loved it. Then we made our second CD and people love that too. Like you know, stretch goals, right? We're gonna make three CDs at once or something. But people aren't mad at my second and third CD. They're mad at those T-shirts that never showed up. Yeah. <laughs> They're, the stretch goals that really hit us hard are the things that were never our core product, weren't supposed to be the point, and they weren't supposed to be very hard to pull off. And then when the little hiccups came, it's like, man, I, I'm not even involved in the production of this extra thing. So what am I even supposed to do about it? Yeah. So that was really frustrating. So. We've learned a lot of lessons over the last few years. Obviously, we, we've come at it again. Now we're launching Flat Plastic Ventures 2, and the product is perfect. We don't change the product. We love the product. We've done nothing but refine the product. Now we just want more people to see it, and we want to make more of it. So we just decided, hey, you know, there's really nothing we need to do that's complicated this time around. We just need to go and find more artists and get more pack concepts and get more miniatures together and just say, hey... We got new things and new things and more new things. All right. So I'm taking a look at your Kickstarter page now. So again, there will be links in our show notes, but if you go to uh, Kickstarter and search for Arc Knight, and it's A-R-C-K-N-I-G-H-T or Flat Plastic Miniatures, you're going to be able to find it. You're about halfway through your funding period. You're over right at 60%. So you're pretty much on track to get where you need to go. Yeah, that's that's accurate. We're on track to get where we need to go. We obviously want to do a lot better than that, but... Of Sometimes course, can't do anything about it. Yeah, it is what it is. But you guys are are on track to succeed. So if someone's thinking about backing this, because I know that's almost always one of the things that you get into with Kickstarter is I don't want to back something that may not succeed. I don't I don't know why it's, it's, it's a weird kind of psychology because <laughs> if you back it, then it's more likely to succeed. Uh, but usually, the last little bit, you'll get a bunch of people jumping on. But you guys do have a pretty lofty goal thirty thousand dollars. You're over eighteen now. So what is it about flat? 
Plastic Miniatures 2? Is it just more of what you came out with last time? What's changed? What's different? And then sell it to me. Like, what are the what are the, some of the entry-level pledge levels, and what am I going to get for them? Perfect. Let's go through it. So we didn't mess with the product. We have a good thing. We didn't screw up what is so good about it. We just wanted to make more art. Now, we did clean up our process a lot. We have better cutting now. We have better art now. Like, if you took the original Grove sheet we had made, and you look at the new Grove sheet, the, the color vibrance is better. So in minor ways, our process has improved, but we're not really changing what our formula is. We're still putting out flat plastic miniatures. We're still putting them out in these big 62-piece packs using these really awesome dies. So you get a bunch of humanoids. You get a bunch of small ones. You get some larger ones. And then we're just going pack by pack in different styles. Now, what we want to do this time is we wanted to hit, uh, obviously, just more fantasy packs because that's the core of our audience. They love fantasy. They eat it up. They have our core set, which is originally five sets. And now they go, okay, well, what else can we have? Because with that 310-piece corset, you still can't hit everything, but it's really, really good. So now we said, okay, we're going to make a tiefling pack, which is going to be all your dragon's blood and, and things that are like tiefling characters and little imps and demons and all that kind of stuff. We're going to have a dragonborn pack, which is like the same thing with dragons. You're going to have a bunch of dragonborn player characters, a bunch of kobolds, a bunch of those old dragon kin that look like centaur. You're going to have all this kind of draconic influence stuff. And then we want to do a pirates pack. So that's just going to be everything you can imagine in the pirate world. You're going to have all kinds of rogues and assassins and pirates of the Caribbean style guys and have some um, like British looking infantrymen with rifles and all the things you expect from the pirates. And then with the smalls and, and some of the irregular shapes, we can put some monsters in there and put some fishmen and a bunch of like little murloc guys. And <laughs> I forget what the other well, – Paizo calls them something else. They're called uh, Grindelow from the Skulls and Shackles campaign. We'll put a bunch okay. of those guys in there because I had – I played that whole campaign and didn't have minis for it. And I ended up using these little like Cthulhu-looking fishmen. And I was like, oh, man, I want real Grindelows. So we absolutely – you know, when we have inspiration for what we want to do, we just, you know, let's do that next. Let's hit it. And then we wanted to go in some different genre directions. So we're making a pack that we're calling Travelers, which is specifically to like the Traveler RPG or possibly if you're playing Edge of the Empire. We want like a, a Star Wars or Traveler vibed humans in space pack. So it'll be probably some, I don't know, kind of like Firefly, right? So it's like people that yeah. are existing in space for a variety of genres. Uh, if, if that goes really well and that market does well, I would love to do more of a Star Wars focused pack that's more like a aliens, you know, and less humanoids, but more humanoid aliens, more like you'd find in like the Star Cantinas. And I would love to do, you know, all kinds of alien packs and stuff like that. But we're going to start with Travelers because at least I know for my community, people just need minis like that. They need normal guys in space and they need tons of them and they just don't yeah. exist. Kind of like, a, you know, some combination of like mercs and civilians and crew members, just basic stuff. And then the fifth pack we're launching with is the Cyberpunk. We're doing a full-blown 62-piece Cyberpunk pack. So if you want, you know, Netrunner or Shadowrun or any of that stuff, this is just completely going to cover your bases. I mean, it's, it's a huge amount of pieces. You can grab that pack, and you can basically sit down and play the game with miniatures. And I grew up on Shadowrun, and there has never been good Shadowrun miniatures. They just don't exist. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, so looking at your... Your Kickstarter, like you guys obviously have some art that's up. And, and again, I don't use maps. I don't use minis. These, the art on this looks awesome. Like, like just the examples you have that I just, I love the art. It's very cool. Uh, and I think if someone does play with maps and minis, like I think this is something people will get excited about. But there's two things that I see that your product does 
that I hear are common issues with people who do play with maps and minis, or more specifically, people who want to start playing, want to start playing with maps and minis, and they don't have any yet. And that first of all is cost. So talk to me about that. Like, what is the cost benefit? Like, I'm sure you've done comparison. Oh, sure. How many of your minis can I play with versus like, what's, what's the apples to apples cost improvement with your product versus regular minis on the market? So what we're trying to do is say, certainly if you want to go paper or you want to go with little pogs, that'll be cheaper. And certainly if you want to go 3D miniatures, you're going to get a higher quality final product if you're willing to glue them together and paint them and do all that work and then pay 3 to $5 a miniature. It's going to average out. You know, If you go to one of the other major miniature companies, even their low quality versions or their, their cheaper plastic versions of their potentially metal miniatures, you're always looking at somewhere between a dollar to $3 a miniature. And you're only going to get down to a dollar a miniature if you're buying like a bulk the way like the Bones campaign can do this huge bulk. But again, you're buying it, you know, like a one shot. And if you miss that, you can't get exactly what you want later. After market, it's always going to be $3 a piece. And we can come in closer to like 40 cents a miniature. With the big bundles we offer, sometimes as low as 25 cents a miniature. So the price is certainly far, far cheaper than the normal miniatures. And then the other thing that I see is storage. Because the bases are separate. So you could basically lay these flat in a drawer or a, like a pullout case and, you know, keep all your Dragonborn together and all your orcs together and basically carry them around in your pocket with a rubber band versus having to have a rolly wheel chest. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. The people who do that, they love it. Like that's not a selling point to the people that want to <laughs> get all the miniatures. They want to paint them like that's that's their thing. God love them. But if you're not that type of person and you just want to play with maps and minis because you think that adds to the game, this is by far a cheaper way to get a quality product. And then, of course, again, storage. I just I, I could see someone having hundreds of these and being able to use them very quickly compared to a traditional 3D mini storage box. This was such a turnaround for me. When I launched this project, I thought that the one person who's not going to necessarily want this is the diehard guy who has so many 3D miniatures. He just goes, I don't need all these pieces, and I obviously already have stuff, so it just doesn't interest me. But I started going to shows and conventions, and it was the complete opposite. Those guys, especially the diehard guys, like you said, they're going to cart around this trunk of stuff. When they go to conventions, they don't want to carry it. They have to carry it, or, or they're in a position where they think that this is what they're going to do. I've had them come to my booth and say, holy cow, now I can get a, a convention set. I can literally slide it in my pocket. I can put it in a backpack. I can carry it in my luggage. And we can. We, I just got a tackle box from Walmart for $3. You open it up, it's got all these little squares in it. I have 600 pieces in a tackle box. It fits in my back pocket of my jeans. It's just it's unbelievable what you can do with these things. In our Kickstarter video the first time around, I put like 30 of them in my wallet and stuck them in my pocket. Just going, you know, <laughs> if, you, if you want these on the go, they go. And we make them with pop-out bases. So we have a universal base. You pop them out. You lay them flat. Make the store flat. You can have maybe 20 bases and 500 miniatures if you want to go that route. And whichever 10 you want to put on the board, you just put the bases on in one second. So they don't need to glue to their bases. They can just pop in and out super easily. And the other thing we start doing now is that some of our backers suggested this. So we start doing it. And now I have like a demo set to show it off. We went and we got like coin sleeves, like, you know, how like the baseball cards used to have baseball sleeves. Yeah. I took an entire set of 500 miniatures and I put them in like a three ring binder in coin sleeves and they all just slide in. And now I can turn the page and browse hundreds and hundreds of miniatures in a matter of seconds and pick out the ones I want and put a base on and put them on the table. 
So, you know, we, we made a display set to say, yeah, this, this is completely viable. A little half-inch tall binder you put a 1,000 miniatures in. So it's super cool to store. Awesome. All right. So if you are someone out there who wants to get more minis or likes playing with them and you don't have quite what you want, uh, this is definitely something you need to check out. Now, what are our, our backer levels? Like, what am I going to pay and what am I going to get on this? This is the big thing that confuses people. And that's what I'm hoping that if we have an interview like this and we can explain it to people, they'll understand. Perfect. When we did Kickstarter 1, we had like a tier. It was the obvious tier. It was back us at this tier and you'll get the five packs. And that's it. And people responded to it really well because it's idiot proof. You just go, okay, I get it. I want it. There you go. Well, now I can't do that again because I don't know if you want the old stuff or you already have the old stuff. It can't exist like that now that we have this big range. So instead, we had to make tiers that make sense, and yet they give you a number of packs. So like a tier will say you get you get five packs, and then you'll go through and you'll pick the five packs they want. So we have some tiers by packs, right? You want two packs, you want five packs, you want eight packs, whatever it is. And you buy that tier, and then you can math it out however you want to math it. Obviously, we try to make a better deal as it gets big. And you then, in back kit, after the campaign ends, you're going to go through Dropbox and say, these are the packs I want. Well, this leads people to go, well, what the heck are packs? <laughs> like, explain it to me now. Like, break it all down. So with this campaign, one of the things we realize is that we have to explain exactly what came before it in order to pitch the new thing, or we just overwhelm them. But a, okay. but a pack is a 62-piece set of miniatures using one sheet of plastic sliced up. And any pack you buy is going to have 62 pieces. We have a horde pack, which is what we call a half pack. And uh, it's like a pile of skeletons, right? It's just we didn't want a full sheet of skeletons because it's just far too many. So we make a half pack. So if you're getting the eight packs or whatever tier you want to get, you can pick nothing but big packs. So you're not going to lose efficiency getting small packs. And then we have a super cheap add-on for if you want any of those little half packs, they're like 10 bucks a pop. And you just add them on afterwards. That way you're not wasting one of your packs on this half pack you think is super cool, but isn't is efficient. Does that make sense? Okay. No, I think it does. I, I think I'm with you. And then the main thing, again, we tried to have a, an obvious tier. What we want to do is we said, hey, what we're going to do is we're going to go for these stretch goals. And, and as the stretch goals get nuts, we're going to have so much more. And even now, the campaign's over halfway done. What we saw in our last campaign, our little spell effects campaign, we had over 90% of our funding in the last six days. It just exploded. It was like once people get, like you're saying, they get the little 48-hour like pop-up. Hey, do you want to yep. see it? And then they check it out and they go, oh, we are going to get stretch goals. Oh, well, then I'm in. So I don't know where this is going to go, but it's very possible that happens again. So what we do with the $100 tier, and this is the main pitch, if you buy in at the $100 tier, you're going to get three or four packs, depending on whether we surpass our original Kickstarter or not. There's a milestone goal that everyone gets plus one pack, no matter what tier they're at. So you're going to get three packs no matter what. You're going to get a fourth pack if we hit that milestone gear, uh, milestone goal. And then we're going to offer you stretch goals. And the point of these stretch goals is the first time around, we did a bunch of custom pieces. Like we would take a picture of you and draw it as a miniature. And we would do exactly your thing. And people were paying hundreds of dollars for these things because they really wanted them. And we only had so many spots for them. They were really worth something. Well, this time we're like, we want to offer more of those. And we really don't want to have the, 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 the back and forth with the individual person that can sometimes go sour. Out of, out of 50 of these we made, maybe three of them were, were a complete mess trying to get the guy exactly what he wanted. So we said, why don't we make these free and let anybody submit them? And then we'll just come through and snipe our favorites of all these giant pool of customs. 
So we've done they, we set this up on Twitter where you can tweet us with the hashtag we list in our campaign, you know, custom FPM, tweet a picture, tweet a description and say, hey, I, you know, this is me. Draw me as as a pirate or, hey, I want you to take my, my mother-in-law and turn her into a witch. Or, or I want you to take this picture of Batman, and I totally want this armor, but, but turn him into a fantasy character. And you pitch anything you want to us, and then we come along and we scoop them up and we turn them into final miniatures. And we're calling these customs. And depending on how crazy it goes, obviously, we, we're doing a thing where our stretch goals are social media based. So the more people tweet to us, the more people they share, you unlock all of these extra custom miniatures as part of like a, like a social game. Um, and I think that'll go a lot crazier once we hit our initial funding goal. But basically, that's going to unlock somewhere between, let's say, 20 at least, because I've already made 15 of them. So there's no way I'm giving people less than 20. All the way up to 128 pieces. We, we, we have it slotted out. We can have two full sheets of customs, and we're ready to go, and we're happy with that. So we're going we're gonna to probably have 100 of these things, and everyone's going to get them at the $100 tier. If you're, if you're in the tier where you get stretch goals, you're going to get two extra sheets just covered with all these extra special miniatures and a good likelihood that yours is among them. So if you just get on Twitter and say, hey, I want this, we'll probably make it. We're going to make tons <laughs> of these things. And then I want to leave another legendary set and a super legendary set to stretch goals as well. So if all goes well, and I think there's still a pretty good chance it will. It's just the way that this campaign could go. The $100 tier will give you four packs, plus two packs of customs, plus legendaries, plus super legendaries. It's going to end up being 400 pieces for 100 bucks. That's not bad. And then our lowest tier is just buy a pack 30 bucks, like on our website. It's the same MSRP as our website. But again, with that milestone where everyone gets an extra pack, if you think even a single one of our packs is worth buying, you might as well jump into Kickstarter. You might as well queue it up for one pack on the Kickstarter. And then watch that sweet milestone hit, and you suddenly get two packs for the same price. It's unbeatable. So it's like a no-brainer. Everybody should be getting the, at least the $30 tier. <laughs> so that, so when I look at Kickstarters just for myself, even even the ones that I know are outside of my range, or just it's just something that I don't really need or want, but I, just, you know, I think it's cool. I always like to look at what the cheapest option is, and then I like to look at what the most expensive option is. <laughs> so what you're telling me is basically the $100 level is kind of what you, I don't say you expect, but but that's kind of like the target tier. Yes. Like the, the people that, that probably want your product, that are already familiar with it, and they want the new stuff. That's kind of like where you expect most people to come in. Right. But but the entry level, is it's 30 bucks. Yeah. And that's one pack, maybe two if you hit some milestones, which, again, you think you will, you hope you will. But as of right now, we can't say that you'll get there. But yeah, who knows? You're basically getting a pack of, you said 62 miniatures. Mm-hmm. Is that the pack? Okay. So 62 minis for 30 bucks. That's right at 50 cents each, which again is ridiculously cheap. Right. Um, I think for the quality these are. And, it, and if you're looking at that and you're saying, well, that's the price from the website. Well, exactly right. If you were right. ever going to buy this at retail or you were ever going to go to our website and buy any pack, do it through the Kickstarter and you're supporting the Kickstarter. Right. Okay. But let's go all the way to the top. So your top tier is $300 Archmage. If I've dropped 300 bucks, what am I going to get? Well, see, this is a thing where we have so many packs now. It's just adding more packs and adding more and more packs and adding more and more packs. It gets to a point where we just go, okay, let's give you a big bundle discount where we discount all your packs and do it as a big lump. And so for 300 bucks, you get just a ton more packs added on at a better price per pack. Okay. So it looks like uh, 13 packs, and then I guess obviously there's still a chance for an additional one Absolutely. if we hit the... Yep, okay. certainly. So you'll get everything from the $100. You're then just adding 10 more packs for another 200 so it ended up being 20 bucks a piece. Okay. 
So it's like a 33% off if you wanted tons more packs. So if you are someone who really likes miniatures, or you just you want them all, then 300 bucks it basically is going to give you enough miniatures that you're really not going to need a whole lot more for a very <laughs> long time. And I know 300 bucks is, is a lot, but it's not a lot for someone who buys a lot of minis. It's really not. Well, it's not a lot for what you get either. We have people that are like, you know, a group. You get a group of players together and there's like seven of them or whatever and they split the cost and then they go, yeah, we just we just got, you know, 14 packs of miniatures <laughs> for the same thing we would buy normally like a, like a something else. They only get one set of, you know, or you're going to get a box of maps for the same price. So right. when groups buy in, it works out great. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And, and we are past the holidays, but this still could be a great quote unquote holiday gift for your GM. If all the players want to go together and hook up their GM with, uh, with all these cool minis, that certainly would be something even at $30 pack, it doesn't have to be the $300 one, but that would be a cool gift to get your GM who puts a lot of time and effort and energy into running your games. If they run with maps and minis, then this would certainly be something that they probably would appreciate. Or for absolutely nothing, you can just submit your GM's picture to be made into a custom uh, miniature. Yeah, there you go. That would be cool as well. All right, now, so you mentioned your website. So go ahead and what, what is your URL directly to your website, your web store? We have arknight.com as our website. So A-R-C-K-N-I-G-H-T.com. All right, so you mentioned that a lot of this stuff is is currently for sale. Maybe not necessarily the newer packs, but but you have existing products. So what what other things do you guys have for sale on your website in addition to these minis that we've already talked about? So we've done a maps campaign, a, a pretty pretty sizable maps campaign. That's where we got started on Kickstarter, and that's been slowly growing as we clean up these little packs of maps and put them together. So you'll see all of our different map packs on our website, and then we have a big map box where you can buy the whole thing in one big cardboard box. Uh, and then we have a, a more recent product called the Role-Playing Spell Effects, which took an existing, like, I don't know, we, we had like a, a spell effect set that we did rather quickly. We just, you know, let's throw down some shapes and some colors and let's make a little spell effects on the same plastic from the Flat Plastic Miniatures. So it becomes a transparent spell effect. And it, that's useful, but it wasn't designed to be exactly what you want. Well, our, our last campaign was the Role-Playing Spell Effects Kickstarter, and that's still underway. What we basically said is, if you really want a spell effects pack that is exactly what you want, we're going to go from the ground up, we're going to design everything to be optimized. And we finished the first of those packs, it's called the 5e Wizard Spell Effects Pack. And that thing is just unbelievably impressive. If you go and check it out on our website, it's a four-page pack of just basically every wizard spell you'd ever possibly need. And they're all graphical, and they're all cut out of your page, and they all, you know, you'll be able to put a fireball at your table and say, this is the size of my fireball, and you hold it over your miniatures, you can just look through it and see what gets hit and what doesn't. A giant cone of cold, you put it next to your wizard, you go, this is what's getting hit, this is what's not getting hit. In one second, so you stop arguing about it. But the <laughs> other thing that we did is, because we have our double-sided printing technique, we printed the graphic on one side. It looked all awesome. So it's this giant fireball. On the other side, we put the, we print the graphic again. And then on top of it, we print text that tells you 5e, wizard, fireball. This is the range. This is the damage. This is the saving throw. This is other spells that are in the same 20-foot radius. And we write all these notes in the outer edge of the circle. So when you don't want to look it up in your book, you can refer to the spell effect as a cheat sheet for all the information you need it for in combat. And then when you flip it over, you don't see any of it. It just disappears. I think those are genius. Again, I don't normally use them, but but when I saw those, I was like, maybe I should. I mean, there was a moment <laughs> where I was like, 
I would like to play with those. Those those do look really cool. I 100% honest. Those are awesome. I love them. Now, so are those for sale right now, or is that a sep- secondary Kickstarter? That's, that's no, that ready? Kickstarter's ended, and that Kickstarter was, was we hit goals to unlock basically every pack, every edition. It's just going to take time for us to slowly roll those packs out. But as we roll the packs out, we'll list them. So, right, that, But if I want to go to your website and buy it, how much is that going to cost me? It's right now $40 for the set of spell effects. So it's a four-page okay. set of spell effects for 40 bucks. You get, I think, like... Because uh, what we did is we fit all the large spell effect uh, shapes and sizes on the sheets. And then there's gaps, naturally. And so then we made all these little special tokens. And we filled the gaps with buff and debuff tokens. And a range finder, all these other goodies. So I think it's something like 26 spells and then another 60 tokens. So we, f- okay. we fill those pages. Now, I want to ask you a question. This this may just be me being stupid. But just if I'm thinking it, someone else might be as well. Because you've mentioned before about your cutting technique. And then you've also mentioned about getting pages. Do I have to cut these out at home, or are they cut when they ship? They're just like perforated or something? The spell effects are not perforated, and it comes down okay. to just the die-cutting technique. We would have to make a separate die for every page of every pack. We're looking at 400 dies. It's just it's not possible. Now, in the future, we might get a laser die-cutter. That's one of our goals. It's a pretty expensive machine, but in time, we will get that, and when we have a laser die-cutter, we will begin cutting them with a laser. In the meantime, they just come on sheets. But what I tell everybody who asks, I go, do not worry about taking your time and cutting them all precisely because I wouldn't. Just take scissors and just go crazy. Just go blah, 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 and cut them out really fast. Cut them sloppy as hell. Make them look terrible because they're transparent. The edge is going to vanish. You're never even going to notice it. And then when you're sitting there and you're idle at your RPG, if you're bored or you can just make your friend do it because every time I go to cut these out, my friend goes, I want to do it. <laughs> takes it away from me. And I'm like, my one little joy was to sit here and do arts and crafts for five minutes once. But yeah, all you do is just trim up the edge later. And it'll just, that way you can get it out of the page and on the table immediately and then clean it up later. Fantastic. Awesome. And again, seriously, guys, check those out. If you play 5e and you play a wizard, check those out. You're going to want them. You know, either you get them or get someone to buy them for you because they're, they are super cool. And, and if you want a 3, 3e wizard, it's coming. But I'll tell you right now, it's almost all the same shapes. If you just want to ignore the hint text, it works too. It's still right. a twenty foot radius circle. It's still a you know forty foot cone. It's all the same shapes, really. Right. It's just whether the the cheat sheets on the back will be a little bit different for the different versions. Right. And that's why we made sure to say five e in the cheat sheet so that you know when you're looking at a spell effect what edition it was quoting. All right. So so what's next? So we got another as of recording another twenty seven days on this. Kickstarter. I'm going to try my best to get this out next week. Okay. So there should still be roughly three weeks on this on the Kickstarter. But what's what's next? And not necessarily like the next iteration, but is there any new products that you're working on? Anything yeah. that you can talk about? Endlessly. Yeah, there's a lot. <laughs> I, mean, I, could talk, <laughs> okay. I could talk for a long time about things that are coming, but I don't know when I'll be able to get them out. The next little thing that I want to do, and again, we're juggling kind of big thing, little thing, big thing, little thing. The next little thing I want to do is uh, make NPC cards. And other people have done them, but every time I look at them, I go, ah, oh, you know, it kind of makes me feel like a little forlorn that I didn't get this to market yet because someone else is now bringing it to market. And I look what they've got and I go, they didn't do it right. Like, they screwed it up. And I love the concept. When I first saw uh, NPC cards, I got so excited. I go, I, this is genius. It's unbelievably genius. But then when I look at the actual product, I go, I would never buy this. This is like maps. If, if someone had put out some role-playing maps before I did, I would say, oh, they beat me to it. They have role-playing maps. But then I go, oh, I don't like those maps. <laughs> so it's not that we're doing something completely new. 
um, but it's genius how obvious and useful these are. But I'm going to do them the way that I think it should be done, and I think that way is just better than I've seen them done before. And basically what it is, is you get cards, playing cards, same thing, you can shuffle them, you can mix them up, and on the playing card, when you flip it up, it's going to give you the characteristics for a random person. It's going to give you potentially a name and a picture and little details about this person, saying, you know, he stutters or, you know, he hates purple or whatever it is, right? Things that are going to give you, like, ad-lib cues so that the guy comes to life. And that's – we have this joke where we're making fun of um, – the. The Usual Suspects with Kaiser Soze, when he's in the interrogation room, and he keeps asking questions, and he has to scramble for answers. And the guy goes, okay, well, what do I see? Oh, there's three people. Oh, what do those people look like? And you're just like, oh, God. <laughs> and then this card, you flip him up, and he goes, this is what the three people look like. And this is, and they go, okay, well, I ask him, you know, something about something, you know. And sometimes the GM is on the ball, but usually the GM's thinking big picture, right? He's not thinking these tiny little details of some nonsense civilian. But when you have these aids, all those little things come through, and they're awesome. And suddenly, you know whether the person, you know, has certain personality traits. And then when they line up or don't line up, it makes us, it makes the situation just come to life. It makes it really funny. Um, and so, but what we're focused on that I think other people are doing wrong is that they're making these NPC cards just too wacky. It's not a random person in town. It's like this guy's on fire and this guy's flying and this guy's glowing and this guy's head is a cube. And you go, none of these people would ever be in my town. These people are too weird. And I don't want to flip it and say a town guard. No, no, no. I want, I want – there is a town guard because I'm the GM and I follow that much. I'm flipping up <laughs> his, his interior characteristics. You know, does he have a scar? So that any person in my 50 deck of people, they can all become the town guard. They can all become the king. They can all become the shopkeeper. I put them where I want them, but it's telling me their little minor details. And I think with really good art that you have to you have to frame the art in the right way where it's not giving away their dress. It's not giving away what weapons they're holding. It's not giving away too much about them. And that you can still scale them to be short, tall, fat, thin, but it gives you personality cues and it gives you a little bit of a glimpse into who they are. And then you put them in the scenario you put them in. And I and I think that's a no-brainer. It's obviously we got to have artists that do it. We got to create the cards the way we want them and then we're just going to put those out. And that's going to be the first time that we come to the table and just say, hey, this is just a print product. You know, We're going to make cards and they're going to be awesome. We're going to sell them. But they will be our art and they will be our style and they'll be our editing. And so you know, we have a certain level of quality that we stick to because it's our stuff. And I've sure. made everything I've ever made because I really wanted it when I was playing. And I think this is one of those products. I would love to have this if I was, you know, when I GM, I just go, God, I would use this right now if I had it. And then what I'm hoping happens is that we complement that deck of NPCs with what we're calling business cards, which is just as much of a joke. <laughs> NPCs being non-player cards and then business cards being business cards. Um, the other idea with the business cards is you, you make shops. You have an apothecary card and you have a, a you know a flower shop and you have a blacksmith so that when you look at like the rarity of a city and you go, okay, you walk into this little hovel, what always happens is people go, well, do they happen to have an apothecary? And you go, of course not. This is a tiny little hovel. And then what we just thought of is we're like, well, why don't you just flip less cards because the city is small? But if you happen to have pit, uh, flipped an apothecary, it means that some higher level wizard happens to be living in this random town and there does happen to be an apothecary. And so when you flip up like three cards and then you flip up three NPC cards, you instantly go, okay, this settlement is here because of these three major shops and these are the three proprietors. And you feel like I now know what this city's about. Like in one second, I just created a city out of thin air. It's so cool. 
That does sound really cool. Um, I know you're talking about, yeah, I can come up with a physical description pretty quickly on the fly, but making an NPC truly unique is difficult on the fly. And then, of course, remembering what I came up with so the next time they meet them, they're they're the same. I haven't changed it. Right. But yeah, the creating the, the town like that, uh, that actually sounds very interesting. I do a thing we've talked about. I, I do like a random, I have this weird two dice thing I do where you choose high, low, and one die is the control die and the other is the other one. So it's like, if the one you picked was low is lower than the control die, then yes, it's there. But that just seems like, okay, you flip up three cards and you could either do that beforehand right. during your prep or you could do it at the live at the game. Right. Just grab the cards, throw three up and go, okay, this I know I now know where you're at. Um, I could see that being a very useful tool for someone who GMs like I do, which is very high improv, where they may go to a city that I didn't know they were going to and didn't exist two seconds ago. Exactly. And you're saying that for a lot of our products, we we create aids. Well, you go, I don't use maps. I don't use minis. I don't need these aids. I don't have the spell effects. But if I'm starting to make an aid that even you want, <laughs> then we're obviously <laughs> hitting to a different – it's just different. It's a different audience, right. different appeal. But yeah, the cool thing about the NPC cards is to me, if you have a big city, you flip six. And you have a small city, you flip two. You can feel the difference that there'd be less people – infrastructurally, you know, creating the city's core foundations. I think it's so cool. So I'm excited to do that. That'll, that'll be something we'll do eventually. <laughs> so do you have a, a, even a guesstimate on a time frame for something like that? You know what? Right now, we're, we're behind on the spell effects because we have a lot of packs on our plate and it just takes just tons of just process work. Um, but we're at a point where we're going to start to outsource as much of the work as we can. And if we can get a lot of our you know, backlog cleaned up in a month. And this new Kickstarter is just, we redesigned it to be clean, right? It doesn't have the pitfalls of our last Kickstarter. Every artist, or I should say, every pack has their own artist, which is hugely important. It means in the same amount of time, whether we make 20 packs or five packs, it's not going to delay the art because it's 20 different artists doing one pack each. They know exactly what they're signing on for. We don't have one artist doing 10 packs which could stretch out. So I oh, yeah. really think that if we've set it up correctly, and I think we have, there will not be uh, there will not be a huge impact from the new campaign. Even if it gets big, it'll just be different sources of art and we can handle it. And if I can get my backlog off the table and I can get this new campaign running clean, which it should be, then I think we'll finally get to a point where we go, okay, all of that's cleaned up. Everybody's happy. We can launch the next Kickstarter faster than we ever thought it was imaginable. We might be at a point where we're doing one every three months, making something new every three months. Very cool. And to anyone else out there who's listening, who, because they run games or they design their own games, you know, there's a sort of an entrepreneurial spirit in a lot of what we do in the, on the RPG hobby. I just want to say congratulations again, man. You, you took your passion and your hobby and you turned it into an actual business. <laughs> and that is awesome. And I, I truly wish you the most success. Not just because I think your products are cool, but I just I love seeing someone doing what you're doing and being successful. And it continues to give me hope that I can someday turn my passion and my hobby into something that is more sustainable, like like an actual business. And I just think it's awesome. I think it's inspiring. And, and congratulations, dude. Well, thank you. You had said that you can't wait till your hobby becomes like a real job and it like, you know, makes money. Well, I go, well, my job finally got to a point where I had to quit my day job and do this full time. And I can't wait till it makes money, too. 
<laughs> we're all, well, all kidding aside, we're really excited. Things are going really well, and it's it's closer than I ever thought was possible. It's accelerating. It's doing really well. The website's coming along. So, well, as all these little pieces come together, you know, for for a while it was me going, "This is what I want to do. This is where I'm going to put my risks in my life, and I'm going to try to make this work." And it just has to pay my bills. I have to survive. But other than that, we're going to try right. to make something really cool. And it might it might very soon be at the point where we go, you know, we think that we're not in danger. We think that we've made it. And we're just excited. And we're just going to keep making awesome stuff for the, for the forever foreseeable future. So, Well, I, I also hope that you, you get to that point as well. Um, I do know, uh, you know, I follow you on some social media. We've, we've talked back and forth on occasion of things you're doing. Uh, I know that you go to conventions now. I'll just throw it out. I run a convention in Dayton, Ohio. If you want to come by and get a booth and, and have your uh, your products at a catacon, I'm sure we could make that happen. Catacon? That sounds cool. A, a catacon in Dayton, Ohio. In oh, a catacon. Yeah. <laughs> it's a play on Academy. No, I get it now. Uh, the joke yeah. being maybe to, doesn't sound explain, as cool. Yeah, I have to explain it to everybody. So it's a terrible name, but we're kind of stuck with it now. Academycon. Academycon. I can yeah. do two things for you. One, I would love to make you guys promotional stuff. That'd be great make it put it in a box ship it to you you can give it away at your show uh, i don't know how many that people you have but yeah i can make a copy for everybody you know like when they when they register they sign in they get their badge you just give it to them i would love to do that for you guys that'd be awesome um Fantastic. that's something fun that we can do that we can support you with um to get out there it depends on the time of the year more than anything it depends on what other show is on the same weekend because you know there's maybe 10 across the country that are fighting for the same weekends every time trust me uh finding a weekend has been the biggest headache oh i, I know everything everything with a catacon is what weekend is it going to be we, we are actually on the same exact weekend as another convention in ohio and we tried everything we could to move off of that weekend and every weekend we found that we could do it the convention center was booked right so we're looking at 2018 we we really want to be on a different weekend because we don't want to compete with this other convention like it's kind of a, a dick moving away for it us to do that it seems insulting yeah because there was there was a situation like that where I, where I am in Sacramento right now where people go was it to piss each other off <laughs> like they don't understand <laughs> yeah. the behind the scenes stuff they think that you're doing it like as a knife stab and you go no we were not trying to do this now i we tried everything in the world to move and like we had two different convention centers that we were going to go to and every weekend we found that we could do it. Neither one of them could. Well, what what is um, it this year? It, uh, it's going to be November tenth, eleventh, and twelfth. It's the second weekend of November. I don't think I'm doing anything. I can tell you that right now. No. No, there you go. <laughs> we'll, we'll have to work things out. Right now, my schedule is we we took a lot of the smaller stuff off our plate this last year, or this this coming year. So right now we're going to Pack South at the end of January. Then we're going to Strategicon in LA in February, and then we're going to South by Southwest in March, and then we're going to Gen Con in August. Those are the only four confirmed shows on our plate right now. Um, I have loved KublaCon every year in Northern California, but I think we'll be leaving Northern California before that show. So then Texas will be my new home base because we're moving oh. to Texas. So it, it'll be interesting. And so I don't want to promise anything with Northern California if I have to relocate. I don't know how it's going to work. All that sounds amazing. Uh, I look forward to to seeing that continued success. But let's focus back on this Kickstarter, Flat Plastic Miniatures 2, still currently on Kickstarter. Should have about three weeks left or so uh, by the time I get this turned around. And again, you're 60% of the way there now. Your last Kickstarter had a huge burst the last week. So we're hoping that this will happen there as well. Absolutely. Uh, but, in, but anyone out there listening... 
If you like to play with miniatures or you think about starting and you want to get just a bunch of miniatures to start with, then there really isn't, there are cheaper options, but not at this quality. So for the quality, this is the cheapest option you're going to have. They look amazing. They're cool. Um, definitely check out, check out the Kickstarter. Again, there will be links in the show notes or just go to arknight.com. That's A-R-C-K-N-I-G-H-T. Joshua, any last words from you before we wrap this up tonight? No, I think you nailed it. I think we have the, the right cross point between a one hell of a quality at a price that's really not that bad. Fantastic. Well, thank you once again for, for joining us. I, you, I believe, might be our first returning guest. I, I'm not exactly sure on that, but we'll say that you are for now. So, All right. so thank you for being with us when we got started. Thank you. Maybe for- next time I'll get the host. <laughs> well, hey, now, I got to have something here. Um, but yeah, you, uh, you know, again, you, you were there early on um, in, in a weird way in my mind. You kind of helped legitimize what we were doing. Uh, and that means a lot to me, probably more than it in the way should. Uh, but I'm so happy to see you guys succeeding. I look forward to seeing what you guys do more and more. And as we were chatting, which I probably cut most of that out, uh, maybe we'll see you at a catacomb. If not this year, maybe when we get big enough to justify the cost for you, we'll see you then. But, uh, but until then, this has been Michael and for Joshua at Art Night, we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the RPG Academy podcast, the flagship program of the RPG Academy Network. If you enjoy what we do here, then please check out the RPGacademy.com and visit our site partners for additional entertainment and gaming advice. We do this out of love for the hobby and for you, our fans. The podcast and site content will always be free for you to enjoy and utilize, but we do have expenses related to the show. If you'd like to help out in any way, please visit patreon.com slash vrpgacademy and check out the rewards we are providing for your monthly pledges. We use all funds that come in to improve the show and give you better content and quality. And if you don't have the coin to spend, don't worry. You can still help us out in many ways. You can subscribe to our show on iTunes and or Stitcher Radio. You can leave us a five-star review. Also, if you clear your cookies and you visit Amazon or the drive-thru RPG site through our portal, we get a small percentage of what you pay, and it doesn't cost you anything extra. Just like any RPG, our site works best with open lines of communication. We love talking with our listeners about everything. Please contact us with any questions, concerns, and comments that you have. We also love to hear feedback and experiences from your own games. You can email us via podcast at vrpgacademy.com and reach us on social media, such as Facebook and Google Plus at vrpgacademy. But Twitter is usually the fastest way to reach us. You can find my favorite co-host, the Caleb G, at the Caleb G. And you can find my favorite co-host, Michael, at the RPG Academy. Thanks for listening. And as always, if you're having fun, you're doing it right.